Welcome to the Brand Party Podcast. I'm your host, Christine from CL Designs. If you know me, execution and getting shit done is my middle name. This podcast will energize you to invest in your brand in new ways. Join me for tips, insights, and actions you can take to make your brand a priority in your business. My guests and I deliver honest, to-the-point advice you can implement right away. Your brand is worth celebrating. It can be fun, and I'll show you how. Let's get this party started. Lisa Zamparo is a chartered professional accountant, CPA in Toronto, who helps female-led startups and self-employed women grow their profits and create sustainable income. Lisa combines her Bay Street finance experience with passion for personal development. She sees entrepreneurship as a vehicle for personal growth and profit as a powerful tool for making positive change in the world. The Wealth Company is a financial services firm providing tax, bookkeeping, and CFO services designed for the way women work and communicate. She values collaboration, community, and empathy. When you work with them, you feel empowered by your finances. Here's Lisa. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining in on the Brand Party podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I want to dive right in and ask you, how does Brand Party resonate with you? Sure. So I actually use the term tax party in my own business. So it resonates with me, one, because I use it. But the reason I use it is because I find things are just more fun when you do them with other people, right? So when I used to do my bookkeeping, I did it by myself. And then one time I had a friend come join me, a fellow business owner. And we're like, this is a bookkeeping party. It's so fun. Yeah, amazing. I think that we all need to have those sprinkles of joy throughout our business as well. So however that looks like for people, whether it is bringing in someone new or a friend that you can just have some fun with is definitely a nice way to incorporate it. But what would you say to those who feel overwhelmed by their branding and design challenges right now? Ask a professional. For sure. Anytime I feel overwhelmed, that's usually the responses. I got to go get someone who knows more than me and have them give me some advice. Yeah. And just to be clear, when we say the word wealth in terms of like the wealth company, my business, it's spelled W-E-L-L-T-H, which is that blend of well-being and traditional wealth and finances. So, I mean, ultimately, I think the impact is you're going to feel better because being balanced, feeling happy, healthy and wealthy, that stuff makes us feel good. Right. But I think more tangibly, what this means to me, well-being is it's more than just the absence of the stuff that we don't want. It's the cultivating and creating of the things that we do want. So if you truly embody the wealthy lifestyle, you'll notice mindset shifting from thinking of the things that you don't want and what do I want to avoid and focusing more on what you do want to create. And when you can achieve that mindset shift, miracles happen. There is so much that's underrated when it comes to mindfulness and just like cultivating that abundance that we all want in our lives. So it's undeniable that when we get more confident and clear about our numbers, especially that's kind of where the magic happens as well. But you've been 
such a saving grace to me um, to navigate the jargon, especially throughout the pandemic. And what can we do to reduce that overwhelm also when it comes to so many different updates and requirements that are changing so quickly in that financial sector? Whenever I feel overwhelmed, my first gut response is, okay, Lisa, take a deep breath. Probably some of my yoga practice training kicking in there, right? Breathe. And then once you've taken that deep breath, I think the next step is to break down whatever it is that you're looking at into smaller, more manageable chunks. Because for me, anxiety and overwhelm usually comes from looking at a problem that's too big and feeling like I don't know where to start or I don't, I don't know what to do next. So taking that big, like I have to understand all the updates and siphoning it down into, well, what's my next logical step? It might be, I'm going to Google a certain term, right? Or I might uh, go on Instagram and look up the wealth company and see what they're saying about this. Uh, but yeah, deep breath, break it down. Yeah, you do such a good job of humanizing everything that's out there in such an approachable and digestible way. I feel like you have such a wealth of knowledge, no pun intended, of what's out there in the world. And you've seen a lot as well behind the scenes. What are some of the most common money mistakes that you see? And Yeah, well, I think the first thing I want to say for the people watching and listening, if you resonate with any of these problems that were stakes that I'm about to say, please do not beat yourself up because almost all of us have been through this, myself included. Even as an accountant who knew better, I have done these things too. So the first general bucket of mistakes that I see is around avoiding dealing with something. Uh, specifically when it comes to finances, that can look like not filing your tax returns for a couple of years, or it could be not looking at your numbers, you know, not knowing them, not avoiding doing the bookkeeping, avoiding crunching the numbers on what your pricing should be. And in the short term, sometimes avoidance is helpful, right? Like if something's really overwhelming, sure, avoid it for a couple hours, a couple of days, but it's not a long-term solution. It doesn't actually fix anything. So, you know, why don't we be cautious that our self-care of, you know, not looking at some stuff doesn't turn into something that's actually harmful. So number one is avoidance. And then number two, I'd say kind of like in line with that is um, lack of information or not asking questions. So it's a little different in that maybe you're not specifically trying to avoid it, but you're just sort of busting through and saying, you know, whatever is going to happen, I'm just going to do this. And most commonly, I actually see this with people incorporating a business. There's a time and a place to do it. And the moment that you have an idea for business, the next step is not incorporate because it's very expensive. And for tax purposes, it can actually be more expensive and detrimental to you um, instead of starting off as a sole proprietorship. The two things were avoiding and lack of information. So with the solopreneur, most frequently what I see is a problem around pricing, which often comes down to undervaluing ourselves and our services. And that's something I totally relate to. I've shared before that when I first started my business, I was charging myself out at $50 an hour. And now four or five years later, that's turned into 300. So my self worth, my value and understanding of the value that I bring has really evolved over the last few years. And a quote that I've heard that I love so much that helps with this is you don't charge an hourly rate for your time that you're giving a client on a consultation. It's for the years that you've put in to be able to do something in such a short amount of time. So I might be able to riff on whether or not you should incorporate and answer your question in 15 minutes, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth hundreds of dollars to someone because it took me years to be able to get to that point. Yeah, I love that quote. It's such a, a one that I hold very dear also. 
but it's definitely, it takes a process to step into that worth, right? So even if you are just starting out or even four or five years down the road, like you've mentioned, is there something that you tell yourself in order to be able to step into that worth at each and every single time? You know, it's really hard to do because I think that we're always like recreating ourselves or growing into a bigger version of ourselves, And so it's not so much what I tell myself, but I actually play around with a persona. You've known me for a while, so you probably know how much I love Beyonce, but this was actually a trick that I learned from her. Uh, she talked about when she first started performing, she created this alter ego called Sasha Fierce, right? And it was Sasha Fierce who got up on the stage and acted really, you know, here I am. And now eventually Sasha Fierce is is Beyonce. She doesn't need that persona anymore. So when I first started working actually on Bay Street, I created Lisa Fierce to help me get over my fear of going into meetings. And that's helped me even when I started my business then of, you know, there's this future version of myself who I see is such a badass. She's running this business, making lots of money, making lots of impact. And it's a bit of an act of pretending that you're that person until you become them. But you're always going to be reaching for a little bit more. So if you can get really comfortable with that practice of stepping outside your comfort zone. And I think that's, like you said, where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. It's such an evolution for sure. And just knowing that you're gonna get better each time, the more that you pitch, the more that you put yourself out there because all those things that you've mentioned, I have definitely felt (laughs) at some point or another and still do sometimes as you're flexing that comfort zone more and more. But even talking about what are the top three things to assess for our own financial wealth? Oh, good question. So when I talk about finances, I always like to incorporate the sort of touchy-feely and then the practical. So my first thing is the touchy-feely, assess how you feel, right? Because if you feel scared, uncomfortable, like you're avoiding any of those sort of negative emotions, there's probably something something to be healed, something that needs more health, right? So that's step number one is checking in with yourself. And then from the practical perspective, the two things that I would look at, number one is your profitability. And this is true if you're a business or an individual, are you earning more than you're spending? That's a key metric. And the more profit that you have, the healthier I suppose you are, and the more opportunity you have to reinvest that profit in creating the life that you want, having the impact that you want. And the second one would be your liquidity, to use a a financial jargon term. But what that means is, on practical terms, is do you have enough money in the bank to pay your bills? So I'd look at my bank balance versus my bills. And how many multiples of my bill payments do I have in the bank? So let's just like throw out some numbers. If your bills in general cost you $2,000 a month, how much cash do you have in the bank? Is it $2,000? Is it $4,000? $6,000? Is it $500? And ideally, we want to have two to three times our monthly bills to feel secure. But that number, I guess, can change for everyone. It could be six months. You know, there's a lot of personalization that comes in with those metrics. Yeah. Even thinking about if you want to have, like, also personal goals along with your business, right? So thinking if you're wanting to save for a house or just have savings and buffer funds in that sense, too. Like, when you work with your clients, especially, how do you help them figure out and navigate what to invest in, where to kind of shift their money as well and make sure that they're mitigating those risks as well. Well, I think it's important to be really clear on what your goals are. That's step number one. So my first step with clients is always, what do you want? And we make a list of the things, the material things that they want to buy, like you mentioned a house, the experiences that they wanna have. 
and then putting a dollar amount next to it. Well, what's the down payment that I have to make? Or what is the total cost of that next killer trip that I want to take? Or in your business then, if there's a course you want to take or a person you want to hire, what's the dollar amount? So then you, you have those dollars and then we'll look at, okay, now what's your savings and how do you want to allocate your savings across those goals? So I think it's, it's very simple. I don't think what I've said there is really groundbreaking, but I think the piece that's missing for a lot of people is the bridge of, I have a vague goal of what I want, then putting a dollar amount to it and allocating the money that's in your bank or in your budget towards those goals. Yeah, that focus is so helpful when you're reaching. I always often think about when you have a target or a bullseye to hit, at least you know what the direction is versus throwing spaghetti at the wall and then you hit nothing, right? Exactly, exactly. And if it's very likely that you won't have enough in your savings or in what you're working with right now to hit all of the goals. And then it's just asking yourself like, well, what's most important? And maybe right now what's most important is investing in your business so that you can create more cash flow to hit the other goals. Yeah. It's all about those priorities. Sometimes tax season is not everybody's favorite, <laughs> but I mean, normally that I get excited about that. Right. so definitely reach out to lisa it'll be a party but what are three tips that we can do in order year round uh in order to ensure ease when it comes to tax season the touchy-feely tip that i have for you is shift your mindset about how you think about taxes a lot of times the first thing a client will say to me is how can i pay less tax or how can i pay no tax and i'm like okay That's not actually the point, because if you pay no tax, the only way to pay no tax is earn no profit or earn no money. Mm -hmm. That's really not what we want, right? So if you can shift your thinking around when I pay tax, it's because I'm doing well. Um, That will hopefully help you start to feel a little bit better about the taxes. But I'm not saying go ahead and pay more than your fair share of tax, right? You just want to know that everyone's going to pay some tax. And if you're paying a lot, it means you're probably earning a lot of money. And that's great. Now, practically speaking, how do you get organized? My number one tip is start a file. It could be a physical file if you're a paper person or a digital file, probably both. And anytime you get a piece of paper that's related to your taxes, put it in there. On the personal side, that could be your medical receipts. Maybe you get a letter from the CRA. On the business side, it's your business receipts, right? Just having one place where you keep all that stuff saves you when it comes tax time from the process of having to go gather it all. At least you can say, okay, it's all here. Now I can start organizing it. I know for myself, I like have a money date kind of with myself each at the end of the month. And then I can start fresh uh, on a new leaf and just know that everything's taken care of so that I'm not waiting till the end of the year to compile everything together or get all the files together. And it's just absolutely overwhelming to the max. So is there a recommendation that you have even for how often you should be checking based on maybe different scenarios or different situations that each business owner might be in? Yeah, well, you took the words out of my mouth because that was tip number three was put CFO time in your calendar. And it really should be time that's scheduled with yourself. And like, really, you have to honor that time because oftentimes it's something you don't want to do. But the more frequently you sit down and start looking at your finances, the more comfortable you're going to feel with it. Whether you're somebody just starting out or you've been running your business for five years, I think that looking at your numbers is something you should do every week um, because the numbers in your business is the, it's the profitability. It's the way that your business is going to grow. It's how you're going to have an income. And you want to be really intimate with those numbers and know them like the back of your hand. So when you're first starting out that time every week, might take an hour or more 
Maybe if you're more experienced, it's shorter, five or 10 minutes to pop in to look at your financial statements. But I do think it's a habit that should be weekly. Amazing. And also, Lisa, do you have any favorite tools that you use to keep track of finances also for you and your clients? Excel is my number one favorite. Because it's very flexible and we can build custom reports. I do cash flow tracking in Excel. Uh, but then I also love bookkeeping software. So if you're a really small business when you're just starting out, it's fine to use Excel to keep track of your invoices that you're sending to clients and your business expenses. But once things start picking up speed, I highly recommend getting into something like QuickBooks or FreshBooks. Having software that organizes it all for you and is sort of fun to use, I think it's fun. It makes that task more enjoyable. And so I have a few rapid fire questions for you, Lisa. Are you ready? Yes. What are you currently celebrating? Personally, I'm celebrating that I just had my second baby. So my family is growing, which is really fun. From the business side, I'm celebrating, I'm going to say profitability. So I know this year has been really challenging for a lot of people with COVID and um, with our businesses slowing down. But I actually have had a bunch of clients in the last couple of weeks share with me that things are going really well for them. So I'm celebrating it for my clients who are telling me, hey, I actually don't qualify for the wage subsidy this month because my revenue is higher. I just think that's really cool to watch people figure out how to thrive and flourish in times that are so challenging. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunities as much as there are threats in the world. And I think there's so many businesses that have been created from the previous recession, for example, that it's really inspiring to see what people innovate and create during these times. And we'll be able to look back on from there too. But what's the number one thing that you want people to have fun with from this episode? I think it's the mindset shift, practicing moving your thoughts from focusing on what you don't want. I don't want to lose money. I don't want debt and shift that into, I do want to create a profitable business. I, I do want to have savings. It's, that for me is the key to everything. And I know I've talked a lot about mindset. It's super important, but so is action. But the thing about action is it's really only impactful when it's backed up by the right mindset. So have fun with watching your thoughts and sort of shifting them into that more optimistic, focusing what you want. And when you're in that good feeling place, then go for it. It's an absolute game changer. What is your bold legacy, Lisa? When I started The Wealth Company, it was motivated by wanting money or lack of money or lack of education about money to no longer be a barrier for people having the kind of life that they want. And that siphoned specifically into helping people start businesses. That's the legacy that I want to leave is in this new wave, this new economy, the gig economy of so many more people being freelance or self-employed. I really want to empower as many people as possible to feel good about their finances and create businesses and lives that are thriving and wealthy. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time to join in on the fun on the Brand Party Podcast. Where can people find out more about you? I live mostly on Instagram. So I'm at lisa.demparo and the business is at The Wealth Co. Um, so I'd say hang out with me there. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Christine. Enjoy the Brand Party? Leave a rating and review to share the fun we've had. Until next time, 